0: I think experiences that happened when I was young and I, I survived by cutting off a part of myself and keeping maybe like the more vulnerable parts of myself sort of safe mm. and just being self-sufficient. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to another episode of Hello and Goodbye. I'm your host, Leanna.
0: I am a random guy off the street named Jared.
1: <laughs> uh Jared's my co-host. <laughs> we have a great episode for you today. So Jared is going to kind of take over on this one and
0: Yeah, I'm like I'm nervous. I I hope I do a good job. I've done a lot of research. It's a it's a topic I'm passionate about. So you You're
1: going to do a great job. Plus you have a group of fans. <laughs> <laughs> like I did a poll on Instagram this week. I cuz we took those pictures with By the way, I forgot to shout out her name. Her name is uh, Jenna Lau. Jenna Lowry. You can find her on Instagram at Belching Babe. Hilarious Instagram name. Yeah. But she did all the photos for us. And they're absolutely amazing. So if you're in the area and you want photos done, contact her on Instagram. Um, but anyway, we have some serious, like, quote-unquote, like, model photos. Uh-huh. And so I did a poll, um, who has the more convincing model look? And um, I, of course, won. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. it was my Instagram, of yeah. course. But you had... Some like some very loyal listeners. That's exciting. uh, Voted for you. (laughs) I I know. So
0: I okay. So I saw it on your stories, and I voted. You
1: voted for me, which I thought was sweet.
0: Yes. Because uh, I
1: for I almost like for sure I thought you were gonna vote for yourself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's normally what I would do. No, but I voted for you, and then I was like, and then it shows you the results. And whenever I voted, there was like, yeah, like over twenty five percent of people like voted for me, and I was like,
1: really I know, taken by that I guy. know, no, yeah. no. I so. mean, I mean, you're attractive, oh, you're intelligent, you. Yeah. you add a lot to the podcast. Uh-huh. I mean. It was funny, I was talking to another listener who's definitely like more of your fan than mine. And um, he's a good friend of mine, but he he i I'm sure he listens to podcasts because of you. And he was telling me he's like, I'm gonna you're gonna be like the nerdy dark horse. Like, <laughs> as this show grows and grows and grows, and maybe one day we'll have like live shows or whatever. I bet you're gonna, I'm gonna come out and people are gonna be like, whoa! And then you're gonna come out, and people are gonna be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> no Especially because I'm assuming the show will have more female listeners, uh-huh. you know.
0: I I actually love that you're really like using the secret right now and the power of attraction to describe that one day we're gonna we're gonna walk out in front of like a, an arena full of screaming fans. Okay, <laughs> we hit ten thousand downloads. <laughs> Next stop, you know.
1: Well, that is a goal of mine with this podcast. I mean, I would love for this podcast to take off to continue to bring people real and vulnerable content from two people who have n- no idea what they're doing in life, and. Yeah. And, like, I think listeners really connect with that. And I would love to, like, be able to have this be a job. Yeah. You know, of a way of income, of, you know, selling merchandise and connecting with people and maybe doing live shows or a retreat, like you said, like a retreat where people could Mm -hmm. come and, like, we could have guests talk about vulnerability and how to grow as a person and attachment and all of this. Like, that's what I see for this. So, you know, I'm I'm... Proclaiming that what's a better word uh i don't know
0: like you're sort of like
1: manifesting it, yes that's like the word putting, i'm looking putting for putting out that
0: intention yeah yeah anxious, i'm right? manifesting yeah. that i would love yeah. i
1: would love for that to happen because this is something that i just feel very passionate about but anyway before we get into it i wanted to talk quickly about a partner for the show. I haven't talked about them in a while, but um, V Fresh is an amazing um, company that I actually had the founder of the company, Natasha Samago on the show uh, a couple episodes ago. So make sure to go check that out. But you know, vaginal health is really important and this partnership is very personal to me because I have experienced chronic uh, vaginal infections through the years and so Basically, what they offer is they offer products that help balance out the vaginal pH. So, the verse, the first product is a V Cleanse, which is a pharmaceutical grade pure boric acid, which balances the pH, reduces and controls yeast and bacterial infections. And then if you suffer from UTIs or just want to be preventative, and males can use this as well, Mm. it's an oral supplement called V-TRACT, which maintains flushes and clears urine impurities while promoting healthy urinary tract function for long-term wellness. And guys, I cannot recommend this product enough. Like, especially if you deal with kind of unbalanced pH, like you can use the boric suppositories as preventative. You can use them Mm. after your period to kind of help balance again, because the blood from the period will imbalance the pH. Um, You do not take the boric acid orally. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's inserted. <laughs> Got it. Okay. But um, but yeah, the V tract is also an amazing product as well. So you can find these products at www.vfresh.com. Use code all capital hello twenty twenty to receive ten percent off your order. This is a one time code. And again, I'm really um, really happy to partner with them. I really believe in this company, and Natasha has done such an amazing job to like empower women. And I love supporting mm. companies that really. Like, give women back their power because these infections can really kind of um, take away confidence, yeah. you know? So, oh, and they also have another product, V Cleanse, which is a vaginal wash. Um, so, you can use that as well to kind of stay. Um, Clean that doesn't go inside, that's just on the outside. And men can use that as well to help because men carry bacteria. So um, men, you have your part in this as well. And again, if you go listen to the episode, we talk a little bit more about how you can help. But again, if you want to check it out, go to vfresh.com. V is V-E-E and use code, all capital letters, Hello2020 to get 10% off your order.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, like we've talked about when we talked about this topic before, right? I think it's awesome when... Um, Anyone, but maybe especially women are talking about things where there's, like, traditionally been, like, a lot of, like, shame and, like, ooh, like, don't talk about that or whatever. Um, And so I think that's awesome. And I think also, like, for dudes out there, like, recognizing, like, you know, like, you should be part of your partner's like overall health
1: absolutely and like
0: especially like sexual health is mm-hmm. like that's a that's a, a two-person game oh it's 50 you 50 know? yeah yeah, for yes. sure.
1: yeah yeah i appreciate your support on that yeah and you know actually i was thinking about it i was driving home from zach's house today and i was thinking about like stds too and how there's like so much shame around that mm-hmm. and like it, a huge percentage of the population has some form of std yeah so eventually I, i've been wanting to do this since the beginning i just haven't been able to connect with the right guests but i'd love to have an OBGYN gyn to talk about oh STDs. that would be
0: awesome yeah. yeah
1: so because i think it's i think it's really important so did you send me the meme i, I can't remember who sent this to me about like how um baby boomers are like if they see a therapist they're like don't tell anyone. And then millennials are like I saw my therapist today and this is what they said. And so I think it's just like, you know, I think as we as our our population becomes more progressive and like open to things, like it's really important to talk about things that people have felt a lot of shame over. Yeah. You know? For sure. Okay, so you and I have a lot to catch up on. I know. I have a lot of recs today. Ooh, I
0: have I have a number of them too.
1: Okay, and I have some fun things that I haven't told you. So I was looking at our stats and there is a country that has come out of the woods that is at the top of like the listening.
0: Really? Yes. We have a new so like behind um, the US. Ma-
1: yep, behind is- the US. Remember our our top countries for a while were like Canada, Switzerland, yeah. Sweden. Yeah. Okay, so this can you guess? It's in Europe. Is it the UK? No, but they were they, they were, were like top listeners for a while. Uh, what is it? France.
0: well what's up, France?
1: I know, so I know, it's so exciting. So I don't know who I know or how you guys find us in France, but shout out to us. Give us a DM. I yeah. would love to um, to get to know you and um, just tell us what you think of the, the podcast and keep sharing with your friends. Like. You know, let's, I want to go to France. Yeah. Maybe we can come stay with you guys. (laughs) Uh, You know, when the pandemic is over. We'll
0: book some flights. (laughs) When we're allowed to (laughs) enter countries.
1: (laughs) Okay. And then the other thing is, I wanted to, we do have a lot of organ listeners. And, you know, California has like somewhat like 30 fires, Mm -hmm. Oregon is being hit so hard right now. The air quality is really bad where the fires are. And if we have any listeners who have lost homes or who are uh, fighting the fires or whose families are affected or having trouble breathing, coughing, whatever, like we, you know, like obviously want to send our. Um, love to you guys and support, and in you know, verbal support, we can't mm-hmm. do much, but also um, send us feel free to send us a link of ways that we could send support your way my financial support or whatever yeah. we can do, and I can share it on the page.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, how about you go? How was your
0: week? <laughs> you know, I, mean, I was like, who's gonna go first? So, my, my week was good. So, okay, when we recorded last week what was happening in my life like because ha- had i been so okay speaking so, of the fires
1: yes so right. you had just been evacuated yes you were at my house yeah and you were talking about how your relationship with your um current uh girl you're seeing yeah. was going well yeah but some of your stuff was being triggered Yes. So we spent a lot of time talking about
0: that. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just meant like, because I, I couldn't remember like where in time in terms of like the fire oh, stuff it was. But oh, no, no. no. Sure. Yeah, so we're good. <laughs> so so uh, I had been evacuated and was able, I guess on Thursday, we got the clearance to go back uh, into our home. But I mean, even still today, talking to you right now, there's still... Neighbors, you know, a half mile down the road, who are still not allowed to go back. Who are wow! Still under mandatory evacuation. So, wow! And what's crazy is, you know, the wildfire that, like, has affected where I live and so many others in, in the area. Um, is the fire some of our listeners might have heard because it made national news that it was started by a couple's gender reveal party (sighs) so they set off some sort of pyrotechnic thing that was supposed to give off like blue smoke if it's a boy or pink smoke if it's a girl or whatever and it caught fire to the park or whatever they were in and it's burned over thirteen thousand acres, and like blah 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 blah. So. Thank
1: goodness, no structures have been burned down. Nobody's died. Because there's
0: there's been no deaths. I think there's been like six.
1: Oh, have there been some structures four, that have burned down yeah, now? Okay, like that. I thought four, the last six. time I checked in, there hadn't been. Yeah, I'm actually glad you brought that up because there's they're receiving a lot of really hateful comments. Yeah. Obviously, was it dumb? Yes. Yes. So so dumb. Should they be prosecuted? Yes. Hmm. I think I think they should deal with the consequences of it. Um, you know, they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time and experienced a very unlucky outcome. And it's going to affect the relationship.
0: Mm. It's going to
1: affect the bringing of this child into the world. They could be serving jail time, probation, yeah. millions of dollars. Uh, you know, they're going through enough. I'm sure they feel crazy guilty, you cannot release their names because they're, I mean, people are livid, Yeah, absolutely livid. And, you know, um, I just would encourage everyone to like.
0: Well, I I think in general, like, it's so interesting that we as a culture go so quickly to like hate and vitriol Mm -hmm. and like, F you, you should die. You know, like all this horrible stuff. And it's like, well, how, 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 how is that supposed to help? You know, like, and, and what's interesting is I've been in that place, you know, obviously like this was a really scary experience for me, you know, and like, I mean, I don't want to make too much of it, but it was scary. And so well, I talked to my dad earlier today and I told him and he was, and his first reaction was like, oh my God, those poor people. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you know, like, yeah. and, well, and
1: I gotta, I, I admit at first I was like, oh my gosh I was trashing them
0: yeah me too that was my first
1: response like stupid I can't believe it but think of all the other people who have done this pyrotechnic they're not the first people to do a pyrotechnic baby
0: gender reveal the other thing my dad said was like he's like I'm sure they like bought it from somebody like I'm sure they didn't it, it, it's or he, he thinks it's pretty likely that they didn't home make this device and sure so the person was probably like yeah it's safe you set it off and then the smoke comes out and no problems right and so they didn't yeah. think to like have fire extinguishers standing by or something like that um or, or think that it would result in any kind of like mm-hmm. flame or fire or whatever mm-hmm. but
1: yeah i mean i really i mean they're gonna have to move like they gotta move right don't you think so uh, like i, I mean, just think especially Yukaipa. well it's
0: so like for yeah. the people
1: listening if you're not familiar <laughs> with inland, like inland empire so redlands is like the jewel of the inland empire yeah. like we have a lot of like it's a really cute little town yeah there's a lot of wealth here and so there's a lot of like it's just it doesn't belong in the inland empire it's
0: a little more Ritzy. progressive also than yes the areas it's actually it.
1: a fun fact it's officially turned blue yeah. Because it was red for a long time.
0: Interesting. Yeah. yeah.
1: So there's enough millennials and younger people that are yep. here now that it's yep. turned blue. Um, but Yukaipa is very kind of red yes. neck.
0: Yeah. It's Trump country, you know, like driving around, a yes. lot of Trump flags A lot of Trump guns, mm,
1: yeah, gun, yep, 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 pro yep, yep. guns. You just never know what's going to happen in Ukaipa. Yeah. Like when the Black Lives Matter movements were happening, there were people outside their business sitting in oh, there was a there's like a with,
0: fight on the street, like oh a, yeah, kind of, kind of yeah, oh yeah. Awful. See, but this is the thing, and I don't want to veer us into politics, but like it's like, and your description of these two people, you know, this couple that hosted this gender reveal party, is such a perfect example. It's like we've forgotten that we're all neighbors, yeah, and we're all human beings. Like it's like. If someone doesn't believe what I believe or votes in a... And, and, and I get it. I get it because it feels like we've... You know, like, the idea that someone would vote differently from you, like, you like you think, like, you must be an alien. You know, like, they the two ideologies seem so far apart from each other. But it's like, I, I deeply feel like we only get anywhere as a country or, or as just a society, as a people if we remember that we're all neighbors and, like, Mm -hmm. stop, like, demonizing and othering each other, Mm -hmm. and, like, I don't know, and I think your thing is a really good example of that, and as you were talking about it with this gender reveal party, like, I think about I work with college students who don't have fully formed frontal lobes yet and like make a lot of impulsive <laughs> yeah. decisions. And, and part of my role is like talking with them about those things and helping them to learn from things that have happened and grow and develop. And, you know, and, but so much of what I see in students that really cause problems for themselves or, or hurt others or whatever is like thoughtlessness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm like, there's no bad people. I like so i I think about this right the way our justice system sort of like throws people away sort of thinks of people as like disposable Mm. right like but so rather than having that approach right like because when in my role at a university it's like well they're all our students Mm. right and we're supposed to help and educate all of them so it's not like oh you're a bad person let's lock you away over there
1: Mm -hmm. right yeah i mean i think just to kind of you know, because we we have so much talk about I know, today. we're so off track. I know, we're so off track. But I think just to close this conversation, I think you and I agree, like, there has to be a certain amount of compassion for these people, and you can be mad. You have every right to be mad, and angry, yeah. and upset, and I think the memes are absolutely fucking hilarious. Like, every mm-hmm. meme that's said to me, I'm dying, but, uh, you know, their lives are ruined. Yeah. At least for now, you know? Yeah. I hope, I hope they get on their feet, I hope they get back on track, and can forgive themselves and, you know, have a healthy relationship and bring a healthy child into the world and get through whatever comes their way.
0: Yes, I agree. One other interesting note. You know the woman who had the first, like, gender reveal yes. thing with a cake? Yes. That child, right, the cake was pink or whatever, but that child who was now older is gender non-conforming, and the woman who had the first gender has been, like, speaking out against yeah. them for years of, yeah. like... You know, a this is kind of dumb, but b also like let's not, you know, have a whole party around like, does the baby have a penis or vagina? Because gender is a fluid thing mm, and whatever. Interesting. I you didn't know? even
1: think about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, really think, I think I think they're. You know, my sister had one and it was kind of special, but it was like there was like five of us.
0: Yeah. Were um, there pyrotechnics? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I have I actually have, and actually this would be a really interesting episode to have, but I have my thoughts about. Celebrating getting pregnant and posting it on social media and mm. Mother's Day and all of that stuff because I think it's a very sensitive topic that a lot of people don't realize. Yes. And I, I you know, anyway, yeah. like we're now we're really on. No okay. I'm, okay. So,
0: anyway, so fire is more contained, so much gratitude and awe for the mm-hmm. people who put their lives on Oh, line it's incredible. It's things. incredible.
1: All yep. the structures they've saved because they've been able to turn the fire the other way i mean it's incredible what they do yeah
0: they're amazing yeah other than that uh i spent some time out of town with the person i'm seeing and had a really lovely time and it's interesting because it was you and i talked about this last week about that way of when you have the closeness and togetherness like some of the stuff that that can bring up for you so i i I had Phone appointment with my therapist that happened, like, sort of in the middle of this trip. And in talking to him, he used the phrase, like, the dance of intimacy that I really mm.
1: appreciated. Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, right. And, and that, you know, like, human beings have a need for togetherness and connectedness, but we also have a need for, like, separateness and being an individual and, and developing a, a healthy connection with someone is. Figuring out how to meet both of those needs, right? And Finding
1: interdependence.
0: Yes. Versus right. Versus codependence. Yes. Yes. And, and and I think, you know, and I thought of you and the whole thing about attachment and, you know, Dr. Morgan and, and right. But a healthy attachment is flexible, mm. has give and take. It can tolerate, like, there's going to be times where there's a little bit more distance. There's going to be times where we're really, like, you know, together. And so that was really interesting. My Another one of my recs, for today is on the trip we were listening to you know some podcasts and we started listening to an audiobook. Esther Perel hmm. is the name of a really um, awesome couples therapist and writer she grew up in Belgium did some of her training in Israel has is now practiced in you know the US mostly but she has an awesome TED talk if you want to check it out but her book she's got a couple books the one we started listening to is called Mating in Captivity and it's about like kind of tackles this question of like whether long-term committed couples can maintain like sexual desire and like Mm. eroticism for each other and and how you do that right and it really again like the dance of intimacy analogy like talks about you know in order to feel secure as a committed couple like security wants like predictability Mm -hmm. it wants like the other person to be like I know exactly how you're going to react and that makes me feel more secure Mm -hmm. but like desire and attraction and that sort of like erotic flame or spark or whatever lives off of mystery Mm. you know and like and so she talks about this interplay of like passion and intimacy and stuff and it's really interesting
1: I'm sorry what is the book called again?
0: it's called mating in captivity you Mm -hmm. should we should do like a book club oh <laughs> you, can, you can listen to okay, it you can right. audiobook it okay right I, ha- you can...
1: I have quick uh, side note I have yeah. a hard time reading books because I'm ADD and ADHD mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to just sit down yeah and read I, I did not read a single book in college not a single book that's amazing. I skirted through college without reading a single book.
0: That's amazing.
1: Thank you. I'm really proud of myself. No,
0: that's a testament to like your adaptability and like, <laughs> and like your intelligence, frankly. Thank you. Right? <laughs> right? You know
1: what I'm saying? It's a good thing that I ended up finishing my college career online because then it's mostly writing. And so mm. then you go through and you can kind of just scan through and pick out what you need or whatever. I really, you know, I really don't feel like I learned much in college. But now that kind of makes sense if I didn't read anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that.
1: Did you guys listen to our podcast? Did you listen to the new episode?
0: Uh, I've listened to most of it. She also listened to it okay. separately. Yeah.
1: Because okay. she's a fan of the show.
0: Yes. Yeah. So that's that. That was. A, oh, that's another thing that's happened since we recorded. Right after we. Oh, I met her. You met her. I
1: did. She's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm um, glad so much. So. so you you got to say your opinion of Zach when you first met him. Uh-huh. So I will say my opinion oh, of um, her. First of all, she's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. She's absolutely stunning. I, I don't know why I
0: said, why I said thank
1: <laughs> Well, because you know, I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, that's nice. you got lucky. Yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> she is just as sweet as she can be. Mm-hmm. Very confident. Great. Mm-hmm. Like eye contact and was interested to like, meet us and she met my family like that's a huge like you've got to be pretty confident to go in a situation like that that's true you know yeah and i just felt like she not only engaged in conversation but created conversation Mm -hmm. she brought me a gift she brought me wine that's true and she said i brought you a gift because your love language is gifts i just thought that was the (laughs) cutest thing and um yeah i i really really like her
0: oh that's great yeah she's incredible incredibly thoughtful and sweet and caring and she really likes you it was very cute i think i told you this but she was like oh i hope i don't like fangirl when I meet right which by the way is a reminder that like even despite what you said at the top of the show like you're still like the podcast mm-hmm. right Thank yeah you. <laughs> okay so that's me what about you
1: okay so i have lots of things to talk about so 1st I ordered some merch this week. Oh, that's I, exciting. I hit the button and I ordered it. And it's a little scary. <laughs> but, um, so I- Well, ordered- it's because that's a big financial commitment. It is. It, it, it yep. really is. Yeah. And, it, yeah. So anyway, I ordered the special hats for the Patreon account.
0: Mm-hmm. The Friends of the Show hats. The
1: Friends of the Show hat. Now, let me talk about the Patreon account for a second. I changed it again. Because <laughs> I, I, you guys, I really have a hard time with overpriced things. I really do. And it's- like I was checking out other, like I was checking out Girls Gotta Eat merch, I was checking out Betch's merch, other podcast merch. Mm. And you know, hats, the going rate is $32, mugs, the going rate is $20. That's a lot. Like that's yeah. a lot of money. Yep. But also you're supporting a small business. Yep. And small business typically has to charge a little bit more because we don't have the capacity or whatever
0: yep. so well and also like and i like merch is a really cool way of doing that and i buy merch from like artists and podcasts and stuff that because it a like it's a way to contribute to the show you know because there's obviously the financial piece but then there's also like people are like oh like what's that shirt and yeah, I'm like, exactly this podcast it's awesome yeah you it's know, marketing you sort, yeah you yes. sort of like fly the flag and like yeah.
1: Anyway, so the Patreon tiers are now a little bit cheaper. So the first tier, mm-hmm. the Busy Bee is still $5. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of like you don't you don't really gain anything from that except for just donating to the show, just being mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I'm a supporter of the show." Then the Hustlin' Bee is the second tier. That's $15. So now for $15, you can get all the bonus episodes. Yep. We we do one maybe two bonus episodes a month. So yes. right now there's four bonus episodes. We're gonna record one right after this episode, mm-hmm. and so there's gonna be another one this week, and then the third tier the is the swagbie, mm-hmm. and that is thirty dollars. Mm, so okay. thirty dollars it includes all the bonus episodes, a social media follow,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the exclusive hat after two. Two months of patronage. Oh, lovely. Okay. After two months of patronage. Yeah. So once your two months clears, I will ship you your hat. Shipping is free. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, Okay? Um, so that's the new Patreon. Go check it out. www.patreon.com slash hello and podcast. If you want that exclusive hat, Jared and I will be wearing them on an episode when they come so you Ooh, guys can see I'm them. Excited. I'm so excited. Even though you don't wear hats, which I'm surprised. Why don't you wear hats? I don't know. I feel like a hat would look great on you. Nah. Oh, we'll work on it.
0: I mean, if I get a cool hello and goodbye hat, I'm gonna wear that. Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah. Okay. So, and then I also ordered.
0: Uh- you, I, I. Okay, I have an answer to that. Let, but this, is, I'm just gonna say it quickly. We can come back. Okay. To yeah. Right yeah. yeah. Time I have this thing against like when I'm dressing myself. I try to like I try to look nice. I wear clothes that fit me or whatever. My biggest fear is coming off like I'm trying too hard. Of like you know, like, oh, like look at that guy trying to like pull off that hat or something like that. So I don't take a lot of risks. Yeah, I don't know why. I'm like, I I don't want to look like I'm trying to. But I
1: don't think a hat is necessarily like a risk. I get, I mean like a ball cap
0: isn't, but I don't know. I I
1: mean, it's not like I got like hello and goodbye fedoras.
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's It's a hard pass for me on that.
1: So then I also ordered some mugs. Yep. The first set will only be available to nine listeners. So if you want those mugs, I posted them on social media. I'll post them again. You can pre-order them. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. And then I also ordered a couple sweatshirts, but just for you and me, so we can decide if we like them. So we'll post photos of us wearing them. And if you like them, let me know and I'll order more and then we can then sell them.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's awesome. And I, I really appreciate how much thought you've put into making sure that for people who are able to support the show in these ways through the Patreon, like, that there is sort of something in it for them, right? Yeah. Like, we're showing appreciation <laughs> for that, you know, and, and that's important to both of us. The other thing that's true, though, is, like, you know, like you've said, like, you know, and again, like, I've talked about, you, there's a lot of expense that goes into just putting episodes out for people to listen to. Yes. And so, like, just if you can afford, you know... 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month, five bucks a month, whatever it is, um, that makes a huge difference to our ability to continue to put the show out. And if you believe in what the show is about of like two people trying to figure out how to, you know, live in a more connected way. And like, you know, like we talked about last week or two weeks ago, the show's about kindness and, and finding connection and love Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And so if you yeah. believe in that and can afford it, we really appreciate
1: yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm I'm super excited about the merch. I'm really, yeah. really excited. And it's one way like I can kind of reward you for like all your hard work and just throw merch at you. Oh, stop. <laughs> and, and guys, it, just even if you, just go check out the Patreon. Yeah. See what it's about. Like I put work into making it nice and we're gonna record like a cute little Patreon intro video. So just mm-hmm. go check it out and um let me know what you think let me know what you think of the merch if you want to purchase it what any ideas you have yeah and oh and that reminds me for those of you who are subscribing to the 20 dollar tier which was the initial one for the episodes feel free to cancel that and and then sign up for the 15 if you want to save the five dollars each month yeah but even though the the tier is unpublished you can still support with the 20 dollars per month Cool. Patronage, so yep. so you know, do that. If so you don't can. have
0: to change.
1: You don't have you to change, but if, you, but if at, you but if you want the same benefits or five dollars less, feel free to switch mm-hmm. over to the fifteen. Yep. Okay. So I have some racks. I wanted to start with that. Oh please. Okay, so first of all, I ordered some new face masks, and they're from Athleta, which is a Gap-owned company. You
0: mean like masks to prevent coronavirus yes. transmission, not like facial. No, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. yeah,
1: not like foot, not, not like mask for my foot <laughs> or my face, but actual face mask yeah. from Athleta, and I love them. D- so is they're, the
0: one you were wearing earlier one yes. of Yes, okay. so they're
1: adjustable, uh-huh. so you can adjust them. They have a pinch on the nose, so they have a mm-hmm. wire through it. It's double fabric, so I'm sure it's a little bit more protective. Yeah. and you can order five of them. I, I think they're women's masks, but... They work for kids, teenagers. I gave one to Zach and he loves it. Yeah. So I'm sure they have a a men's version too. Mm. But it was five for $30. So five masks for $30. They're really great quality. They're for working out. So they're breathable, but they're protective. And the five colors are coral, navy blue, black, this kind of beige gray and then camo, which is like a green camo, which is what I was wearing. I love them, So go check them out. It it doesn't cover shipping, but the really, really great face masks. Um, And then I was listening to one of the Girls Gotta Eat episodes about uh, with Jamila Jamil. So Jamila Jamil is an actress and she was on uh, Good Place or is on Good Place and she's an activist for a healthy body image for women. Oh, she yeah. had an eating disorder and she noticed the, the really toxic culture of celebrities posting their weight and uh, face tuning and Photoshop to promote yep. really unhealthy body image for young people and even women in their forties, fifties. Yep. And so she started this movement called I Weigh Where instead of being like, I weigh this amount, it's like, I weigh an amazing career. I weigh a healthy relationship. Like, what is important about you that makes you a woman, not what your weight is about? So anyway, she has an Instagram account, I weigh. There's also iway.com, www.iway.com, And it's really, and then I would recommend going to listen to the episode. She Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Such an elegant and professional speaker and I just really really loved what she had to say about healthy body image because I've had some listeners reach out like can you do an episode on body image and I would love to but I would say you know for right now go listen to this it was yeah. fantastic it's cool I, I don't remember the name of the episode it was something about body activism or something like that but it was one of their more recent ones so just look for the episode with Jamila Jamil but it was fantastic okay and then these are super outdated, <laughs> but I have to mention them because I love them so much. So Zach and I have been binging Parks and Recreation. Okay. He's never seen the whole thing. Uh-huh. I've watched it at least five times. It is so good. It's like probably one of my favorite comedy series ever. If you've never watched the whole thing, you cannot fully judge the show. You have to start, you have to start from the beginning and get through the first season it's funny it's funny but it's not their best it's like it's like a like a pilot season yeah i think there's only six or eight episodes the it really starts the first episode of season two and then season three four five six are fantastic the last season is eh. but it's so good like there's so much iconic like slogans and characters and genius writing and um, Amy Poehler is fantastic. I feel like I'm a Leslie Nope. Mm. And Zach is definitely a Ben Wyatt. Okay, so then my last update is that I cooked dinner for Zach. Oh. For the first time.
0: Was it one huge piece of salmon? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it was salmon. I did cook salmon um, and I cooked broccoli and asparagus and I put it on a salad and it was really not that great. Oh. Yeah, I did not do a good job. The salmon did not taste good. I overcooked it. It wasn't really a great piece of salmon to begin with, but Mm. I just did not do well with it. I forgot to season the broccoli. So the broccoli was just broccoli. (laughs) And it wasn't really cooked all the way. The asparagus was really good. I did a good job on the asparagus, but it really just lacked a lot of flavor. Mm. And um, so here is my tip. I probably will never have to cook dinner again.
0: Oh, interesting. That's diabolical.
1: Yes. And so women, if you want to get out of cooking, just cook a horrible meal.
0: So, uh, yeah, my tip was going to be Cook something that you've cooked before I have. and that you feel really comfortable no with. this was
1: like the meal that i make for myself all the time really? and some it well it wasn't my kitchen i didn't have all of the things that i have it wasn't the the same oven yeah. i don't know it just was like it was literally one of the worst meals i've ever cooked <laughs> it was so bad and um so yeah so i probably won't be cooking for a while
0: um quick fun story my uh the person i'm seeing And I, like, bond over food. Like, we both, like, really enjoy food. And I texted her, like, a week and a half ago and was like, yo, could we make... Because we've been talking about Taco Bell at one point. Mm -hmm. About how, like, neither of us has had it in years. But it was, Mm -hmm. like, a big part of, like, high school and stuff for both of us. And I was like, could we make, like, homemade Crunchwrap Supreme sometime? (laughs) And we totally did it.
1: Oh, was it good?
0: Oh, they were so delicious. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's it for the intro. Jared, I'm gonna hand it over to you. And um, yeah, I'll just be here, you know, if you need me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: I'm now going to monologue for the next hour. No, okay, so uh, did we tease what the episode is about yet? So- Did we? We might have said it last week, I don't know. But, and I'm sure it'll be. No, I thought
1: it. Didn't I say it at the beginning of this episode? I don't think so. Or I was going to say it and then we I don't got think distracted. You said it. Yeah.
0: But it'll probably be something in the title. Um, maybe before people click on it. <laughs> yeah, the no, episode. it will be. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to be talking about trauma. Yeah. So, off the top, like quick light trigger warning, I think. Yeah. Right? Because there's a lot of things that result in trauma that are probably the things that immediately come to mind for a lot of us, like abuse, assault. Mm-hmm. Um, you know people who have been in combat and terrible accidents and mm-hmm. these kinds of things
1: sexual assault yes mm-hmm.
0: and we are not going to be talking graphically or telling mm-hmm. graphic stories about any of that but just know that you know that's sort of what the topic is about mm-hmm. um, But we'll way, be
1: vulnerable with you guys too about things that we've experienced yes and um and hopefully you know can be a little bit relatable with a topic that needs to be talked about more
0: yes And I love that you, at the start of this episode, described the two of us as two people who have no idea what we're doing. Um, And so another quick thing is, like, we're not trauma therapists. We're not trauma experts. Um, So most of what I'm going to be talking about today is drawn from a book that I can't recommend strongly enough called The Body Keeps the Score by Basil van der Kolk, who is a leading sort of trauma expert researcher therapist Um, so if you're interested in this, definitely like that book is the first place I'd send anybody. And if I, if there are people out there who are more knowledgeable than me listening and I mess stuff up, hit me up and I'll, I'll correct it. But I'm, I'm mostly just kind of, uh, synthesizing stuff that I've picked up from mostly that book and a few other places.
1: Well, and you work with trauma. Yes. Like that's part of your job. Yes. Is working with students have, who have been through trauma and- we both have been through trauma, yes, and, yeah. yeah,
0: and I mean, and I think that's why you know that's also why this episode is important to me and is like I've been on a journey for the past couple of years, and it's even hard for me to like say the words right now of of being a person who identifies as a trauma survivor, mm. you know, like that's a really we i don't I don't know like I think mm. there's something in in maleness about mm. that, um. But also, like, I think, like, so many of us, there's this, like, oh, well, you know, nothing like that horrific happened to me, right? You know, like, mm. we can kind of downplay our own mm. stuff, but, but just know that, like, that's where I'm coming from with a lot of mm-hmm. this stuff. So I want to start by reading some quotes okay. about trauma, that, and all these quotes come from The Body Keeps the Score. And then uh, I'll read the definition, and then I want your thoughts okay. and, and responses, right? One does not have to be a combat soldier or visit a refugee camp in Syria or the Congo to encounter trauma. Trauma happens to us, our friends, our families, and our neighbors. Trauma affects not only those who are directly exposed to it, but also those around them. Soldiers returning home from combat may frighten their families with their rages and emotional absence. Trauma produces actual physiological changes, including a recalibration of the brain's alarm system, an increase in stress hormone activity, and alterations in the system that filters relevant information from irrelevant. We now know that trauma compromises the brain area that communicates the physical embodied feeling of being alive. These changes explain why traumatized individuals become hyper-vigilant to threat at the expense of spontaneously engaging in their day-to-day lives. They also help us understand why traumatized people so often keep repeating the same problems and have such trouble learning from experience. We now know that their behaviors are not the result of moral failings or signs of lack of willpower or bad character. They are caused by actual changes in the brain. Hmm. So the definition of trauma from the American Psychological Association, the APA, is Trauma is an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, rape, or natural disaster. Immediately after the event, shock and denial are typical. Longer-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms like headaches or nausea. Mm. So, Leanna, when you hear the word trauma, Like, what comes to mind for you?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I think just from hearing you read that and going back to our discussion earlier about how we automatically kind of judge people, Mm. I think it's really easy to to look at someone maybe that we know that has rage or that Mm. has abusive behavior or addiction or... Um, just really unhealthy behaviors and and it's really easy to judge that and i think that we forget that you don't just that you're not born with that yeah and you know we all are coping with pain in some sort of way Mm -hmm. and I don't know, would you say that probably everyone has experienced some form of trauma?
0: Yeah, I mean, so we're gonna talk later on, but definitely because when we talk about trauma, it's so easy for us to think of like, so the way I've had um, friends of mine that are trauma therapists describe it to me is like, there's big T and little t trauma, right? And so like big T trauma is like, you know, this person was in this war Mm -hmm. or was assaulted, right? And then there's little T trauma which are like the sort of smaller things that um, a lot of them can happen in childhood as we'll talk about. You know, but things like emotional neglect and and being raised in a family where there was um, lots of dysfunction and stuff in various ways, like all of those things
1: can result. Yeah, well, and, in and I even think of like I had an experience when I was 4 where I almost drowned. Yeah. Now, I don't remember it that well, and I don't have a fear of water, mm-hmm. but there had, there had to be some form of trauma that took place in my body that maybe I went, I'm not even aware of yeah. because of that experience. And so anyway, I, I just think, you know, I, I would hope that everyone would have the capacity to seek help. Yes. But not everybody realizes it or doesn't have the example or the resources and then the behavior or the physical effects get worse and worse. Yep. And it's sad. Yeah. It's really sad.
0: Yeah. And I I love the way, you know, like when you were talking about the way we can be judgmental of others, like the thing that came to mind is like how often... People are like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, that, that person is just a mess. Or like, you know, I see students get fed up with their friends who every time they drink sort of get very emotional, cause all kinds of problems for themselves, and their friends mm-hmm. have to babysit and all these things. And like, certainly, you shouldn't sort of put up with
1: mm-hmm. the
0: way someone's self-destructive behavior is causing major consequences yes. in their life as well as yours. Yeah but also like you said like having that level of compassion and when you talk about help seeking we have particularly in this country like this individualistic like bootstraps mentality and there's this fucking ridiculous notion that like seeking therapy is like going somewhere to complain Mm -hmm. and that it's self-indulgent Um, or that
1: it doesn't actually work that therapists don't know what they're doing and you can basically like just help yourself for much cheaper and
0: yeah this like walk it off mentality of like just get over it just you know and like and there's also a terrible you know there's a lot of really good you and I talk about books and podcasts that center around spirituality but there's a lot of really like shitty almost predatory stuff out there that's like oh just tell yourself like think positively and like blah 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 and mm. it's like no you know and that's why like in the quote i read like no 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 like your brain is not functioning the way a normal brain i mean there couldn't be more evidence mm-hmm. of this and and going to therapy and and making the decision to address something like this in your life is fucking difficult it's brave it's the opposite of all this bullshit that people in the culture will say, right? Yes.
1: Well, right. and I really love that you, you said, you know, just because someone ha- does have trauma doesn't mean that we have to put up with unhealthy behavior. So we right. have to have compassion and empathy, but we are also have every right to set a boundary, Yes. right? So if you're dealing with someone in your life that has this horrible trauma, but they're abusive or an alcoholic who when they become drunk go to rage yes you know you have every right to leave that relationship if that's not healthy for you you can still love that person and 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 help them get help if they're willing yeah but um you know this isn't just something that we have to put up with just because we have that compassion
0: yeah and i've seen like people in my life and even students i work with do this really well where they're like dude like if it's a Friday or Saturday night and like you want to play FIFA or like you want to hang out, like I'm there, like I- I'll, I'll hang out with you. But like, I'm not hanging out with you when you're drinking.
1: Mm. Like, Cause
0: I know where that
1: goes. Mm-hmm. I you love know? that. And that's right? like setting like, super healthy boundaries in yeah. your relationships.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So a little bit more about trauma, right? Yeah. So, so the key word is like overwhelmed, mm. right? So the difference between, you know, because interestingly, like, Two people can experience similar events and one person can you know have significant trauma as a result of it where another person who experienced kind of the same set of external circumstances might not necessarily be impacted Mm -hmm. in the same way right Mm -hmm. like you see this all the time like siblings that are raised in the same abusive household or whatever can have very different reactions Mm -hmm. right Um, so the brain in trauma the brain gets overloaded and shuts down. Mm. It just sort of short circuits, right? Mm. And and because of this short circuiting, like people have difficulty processing what happened and making sense of it later, right? And so if you think about this, when we're under threat, our first response is like social engagement and like outreach, right? Like when something is happening, people people look around. Like they look for other people are they (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay people look around people will call out for help right and it's this very like sort of social response when that doesn't work or whatever then fight or flight is the next thing that we're all used to right and like what happens in that is your your nervous system sort of fills your body with adrenaline so that you become hyper alert to what's going on you have you have energy you can make really fast decisions when that doesn't work that's the circuit overload part Hmm. right like you know like when a fuse blows in a house it's to prevent like the rest of the system from being damaged Mm. right it's just like oh there's something wrong here we're going to shut that part off so the rest of the of the circuitry can operate right mm-hmm. and that's how trauma works so trauma is is pre-verbal so in a great book that i just finished reading called uh you're a miracle how many and
1: books do you read in a week
0: <laughs> not in a week I, I like go through maybe one or two books a month but there's this book called you're a miracle and a pain in the and and a pain in the ass by mike mccargue who's also known as science mike um and he talks about and i thought this was such a beautiful thing we had, like, in evolutionary history, we had bodies before we had brains. So our bodies grew brains because it helped survival, mm. right? And so the human brain, there's, like, the, the the what's called the triune model of the brain, and there's, like, three parts to the brain that developed over top of each other, like, in evolution. So there's kind of your reptile brain which is you know like the way in the book i just referenced uh the author mike talks about is like your brain is a guy sitting on top of a puppy sitting on top of a crocodile like that's that's how your brain is built right so the first so the earliest part of the brain is your reptile brain that's your brain stem and your hypothalamus and that is all the unconscious stuff like breathing when you need to sleep when you're hungry like kind of this automatic stuff right that's your like reptile and it's just that's just pure survival Mm -hmm. at that level right on top of that you have your mammalian brain which is the puppy right so that's the limbic system like emotions and pleasure um sensing danger right and that that part is sort of shaped by experience right And then on top of that, the sort of youngest part of our brain from an evolutionary perspective is your rational brain, right? The neocortex. um, That's where empathy and feeling connected and a lot of the sort of social cues in our brains comes from, right? Like, so when people talk about mirror neurons and like resonance, um, that's the seat is that, that neocortex. And so... I had a close friend of mine who's a trauma therapist describe this to me and use this sort of like visual that makes a lot of sense, but she makes a fist, right? And she like lays her other hand on top of her fist. When a person is experiencing trauma or sort of re-experiencing trauma if they're being triggered by something, they call it flipping your lid because this young part, the top part, the neocortex, like when the reptile brain starts firing, this is just offline, Mm. right? So your rational thinking brain, you can't think your way out of like a PTSD flashback of like, this isn't really happening. Like Mm. I should calm down, right? Mm. Because it's that deeper structure in your brain that's just like alarm bells Mm. going
1: off. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes.
0: Okay, so, so, so what happens when a person is traumatized, right? So the first thing is your ability to perceive things gets totally thrown off so it's like have you ever lived somewhere where like the smoke detector in the kitchen goes off a lot yes right and like so out of nowhere like there's no fire like nothing is going wrong and then it's like and it's like and it's so like jarring and annoying right so in a person who has been through trauma like their smoke detector is just going off like crazy, and it's that super jarring experience mm. every time, right? And you, your brain starts to function differently in how you perceive the world around you, right? The f- you know one base level of perception is when we look at something, and our brain is like threat or not threat, mm. you know. Um, And like, do we, you know, and they've done studies about whether people perceive faces as friendly or threatening. Mm. People who've been through trauma, like, right, they're just hyper vigilant to that. People who have been through combat. I was with extended family a few months ago and my uncle was like, yeah, we're setting off fireworks, like blah, blah, blah. And my great uncle, who's the generation older than him is like, I'll be at home. Mm. Like, I don't. I, I can't do fireworks, wow. I can't be around that, like wow. from his time in the military and stuff mm. like that. Um, you know, and this is 50 years mm. later, right? Mm-hmm. And so traumatized people are more likely to see cues of danger and when they do, you know, like when we do, like flooded with stress response, right? There's no gray area. Mm-hmm. It's either like, not a threat, or this will kill me if I don't get out, right? That's mm-hmm. where you get those really oversized reactions. What's interesting is all of this stuff is like adaptations to help us survive, mm-hmm. right? So that fight or flight helps us survive, right? Um, and it's designed to give your body and brain what it needs to respond to a crisis situation. And then the system is designed to bring you back down to normal and, and traumatize people like they they can't de-escalate like Mm. that, right? And what we know, and this is also true for people with chronic anxiety, right? Because anxiety can kind of keep you in that same fight or flight, is it just wreaks havoc on your health. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Sleeplessness. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, it makes me think back to the episode that we did with my sister, who's a chaplain, and she works a lot with death and we talked about grief it's a really really fantastic episode you guys should go listen to it. it's episode eight i believe but you know the first response is denial mm-hmm. which is that fight or flight because that's how you'll survive that's how you yes. survive
0: yeah because you can't take it all in right which, like so yes. your, some part of your brain is sort of shutting down another part temporarily yes yeah
1: and then i can relate and then we talk about in that episode two how grief often stays in the body
0: yeah, you know
1: and trauma stays in the body and like i can relate to that because i deal with chronic anxiety and i have so many issues i've never talked about this before but i have chronic tendonitis in both of my elbows mm-hmm. i have a i herniated a disc in my neck right after my divorce that i know was from the stress of the divorce mm-hmm. that i'm still dealing with the effects of it today um, i have a hip issue and i deal with kind of Uh, digestive issues and so it's like and I know like 100% all of that is emotional yeah like I know it's emotional and you know it it makes me think of people that do live with chronic pain or even autoimmune disorders Mm -hmm. how much of that is trauma yeah how much of that is just it's just stuck in yeah. the body I actually I work with a woman her name is Jackie Smiley um she is amazing she does a lot of trauma work it's called EDMR yes EMDR oh thank you yes EMDR and um she does tapping methods yeah and I work with her a lot with certain oh another chronic issue I have is the vaginal issues mm, which is mm-hmm. also from trauma mm. and so you know we do a lot of of tapping and trying to figure out you know we clear the emotional blockage, then we clear, once the emotional block is is done, then you gotta clear the physical block. That's the, yep. phys- and sometimes you've cleared the emotional and the physical is just still there because yeah. it's like your body's response is to not let go of it because yeah. that's what's keeping you surviving.
0: Yes, well, and that's like the title of the book that I'm referencing so much is The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Right? Like. And, you know, and and even in severe trauma, like, people don't have the memories, right? Like, they can be so cut off, you know, that, you know, that that's absolutely repressed. But it all lives in the body, right? And, like, most of the time I wear, like, a guard at night because I grind my teeth, Mm. you know? A hundred times a day, I have to, like, consciously let my shoulders Mm. fall because I'm just, like... You know, a lot of my stuff is in my neck and like, and my hips too. Mm. So I'm totally with you. Other things in trauma, emotional numbing and, and, and dissociation. So in the book, there's this quote describing, um, a combat veteran that the author is treating, right? He desperately wanted to love his family, but he just couldn't evoke any deep feelings for them. He felt emotionally distant from everyone. I love this part as though, His heart were frozen and he was living behind a glass wall. That numbness extended to himself as well. He could not really feel anything except for his momentary rages and his shame.
1: Hmm.
0: Right? And like that's a little, you know, like that being cut off. I mean, that's something that I've been working on in therapy forever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, is I think experiences that happened when I was young and I, I survived by cutting off a part of myself and keeping maybe, like, the more vulnerable parts of myself sort of safe mm-hmm. and just being self-sufficient. And it, works, it, it worked pretty good for a long time. But, you know, like, with anything, like, we can't numb the bad feelings without numbing the good feelings, too. Mm-hmm. And so where it's always shown up in my life is in my ability to not really form, forming I'm okay, but like sustaining Mm -hmm. and staying in really intimate contact with people. And this is friends, this is family, like I need to come and go.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, I can't like, I crave intimacy and I'm really good at building it. It's really hard for me to stay in the room Mm. with it. Mm. And I had so many experiences in romantic relationships of like really caring about somebody really wanting to be close with them then achieving that intimacy and then like almost against my will you know like that that like that wall or that you know that living behind a glass wall that sort of heart freezing thing like i could i would feel it coming on and i would try to talk myself i would be like no 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 this person is great. Like, you're fine. Like, whatever. And it just felt like that that, you know, like, slowly the ice would would form. And, 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 and that's something that I had someone say to me recently. I think a really uh, something that might be helpful for our listeners is, like, if you are in a place where you're, like, I know, like, in my head, like, in my brain, like, I can tell you all the stuff that happened in my life that... It causes you know that has caused some some negative unhealthy patterns or caused difficulty for me in relationships or whatever it is. If you're like you know if you you like me for a very long time and still now to some extent feels like I could tell you all the things I know all the things up here in my brain, but yet I still can't overcome them mm-hmm. and change these patterns. That's a clue that there's some trauma stuff happening, particularly because. You can't just... Again, the lid flipping, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just use your rational mind to get through it. And a lot of the therapy I do is... And I'll talk more about some of the treatments and stuff. Is re-experiencing it. You know, you have to almost... Mm -hmm. In an embodied way... You have to go back through the feelings of it. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have experienced trauma can talk very flatly about it. Mm -hmm. Of like, yeah, and then this happened. Or they'll have really seemingly inappropriate reactions mm. they'll be laughing as they're talking to you about their sexual assault or whatever right but if you're in that headspace of be like I know what it is but why can't I get past it that to me is like because it's in your body it's in your emotions you have to kind of the, the goal with a lot of healing from trauma is the reintegration of the cutoff part mm. right you have to sort of like make friends with it and welcome it back
1: so how much of this is relatable to attachment theory, right? Because it seems like, a ton. yeah, it seems like a lot of it, yes. like that avoidant or even that anxiousness, right? Because of the trauma comes into play. And that's kind of like what you're saying is like what the program that I did was all about, where it's mm-hmm. like, I know I've. When I date, like I tell the guys like this is why I have issues, <laughs> but I, then I still have the issue. Yeah, I, yes. yeah,
0: and, and and you can tell them exactly what to expect and you know you're like around this time I'm yes. gonna start being like this and then something's gonna happen and I'm gonna start acting like this. Yes. But yet even though you know it and can predict it, it's still happening, yes. even though you're trying your best yes. to naturally. And do
1: so that. we have to be able to have tools. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be able to have tools to manage that. And I think that's something that sometimes therapy doesn't give you is necessarily actual tangible tools. Um, And that sometimes we're a coach or a program or something that can take you to the next place can get you to.
0: Well, and I, I think what's interesting is that in the, you know, the journey of trauma therapists and trauma research, right. Is one where like misdiagnosis was like rampant right because for so long i mean up until maybe 40 or so years ago right it was like this is what depression is this is what anxiety like this is bipolar personality disorder right this is you know what schizophrenia is this is what alcoholism is well trauma can produce symptoms that look like a lot of those things Mm. and so if you're like we need to treat this person's anxiety, you know, like that can, and I, I don't like all of those diagnoses I just mentioned are real, mm-hmm. you know, and people have those things and the therapies and treatments can work for them. But, you know, when it is trauma, it can be more complicated, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 sometimes the, the treatment or the therapy gets off target where you're treating the symptoms But you're not treating the disease, which is the underlying trauma in some Mm -hmm. ways. And so, you know, I really recommend for people, if any of this is resonating for you, like look up trauma therapists, Mm -hmm. like look for people who, who specialize in this. Or
1: even specific trauma techniques like EMDR. Exactly. Um, I do something called... um,
0: It's like neurofeedback. Neurofeedback.
1: Yeah. Thank you. So I do neurofeedback. Yep. um, And it's very similar to... What's it? What's it called? Tip, what is the typical term for it?
0: So I don't know what term you're looking for, right? But they, you can, you know, they they hook up sort of monitoring devices that yes. measure your brainwave activity, and through, you know, there's there's various types of neurofeedback, but it, it, you sort of learn this way of realigning your kind of brain waves yes that's
1: ways. a great way to explain it so basically what it does is it allows me when something happens when a trigger happens or when my anxiety picks up or it it's supposed to allow me to not react as big mm-hmm. like my reaction can be a little smaller or I can be able to handle it a little bit better. Yes. Um, and so I do that about every six to eight weeks, and it really helps. I, I, I can kind of feel it when it starts to wear off. I get a little clumsier. Mm. I start to feel a little bit low. And so, you know, don't be afraid to look into techniques yep. too. Yep. That, that can, you know, uh, therapy is amazing, but sometimes you need more than therapy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Neurofeedback, biofeedback. Um, oh
1: that's what it is that's the term of it
0: biofeedback oh so you're probably doing like heart rate variability stuff so heart rate variability is a really interesting measurement of like in healthy in optimally healthy people your heart rate sort of has a way that it's synchronized with your breathing and you breathe deeply and fully you know and things like that and people who have PTSD and other kind of extreme sort of traumas, their heart rate and breathing is all out of sync. They breathe shallowly and quickly, you know, and, and so there's all kinds of, so there's, there's all of these treatments, right? Uh, here's a quote from the book in terms of trauma treatment, right? The challenge of recovery is to reestablish ownership of your body and your mind of yourself. Mm -hmm. This means feeling free to know what you feel and to feel what you feel without becoming overwhelmed, enraged, ashamed or collapsed. For most people this involves number 1 finding a way to become calm and focused, number 2 learning to maintain that calm in response to images, thoughts, sounds or physical sensations that remind you of the past, right? Mm. And it's you know that's a lot of your coaching mm-hmm. and the stuff that you've talked about on the podcast of when relationships or, or certain feelings or experiences in the relationships are triggering those things in your past, how do you recognize them and and move through them without getting overwhelmed or freaking out or going to those more extreme reactions, mm-hmm. right? Number three, finding a way to be fully alive in the present and engaged with the people around you, right? That's the not being cut off or numb part. And number four, not having to keep secrets from yourself including secrets about the ways that you have managed to survive so it's about revisiting reintegrating re-experiencing mindfulness is a big part you know like and you've talked about that in your therapy and in your coaching this idea of like Mm self-awareness because if you can get there there's a part of you that can be aware of your thoughts and reactions as you're experiencing them and not like um, not pushing them away or like judging them of like, oh no, here's this shitty part of me showing up again. Like, right. Like that doesn't
1: help. Right. Like having that self-compassion for it.
0: Yes. And it's really interesting because there's also like um, part of the book you know, and this is more of a, like, sort of psychoanalytic or psychodynamic approach, they talk about, um, liberating the exiled child, you know, like, so especially for stuff that happened when people were young, the child version of you learned some unhealthy things, because as a child, like, you, you don't know what you know as an adult, right, you can't make sense of it and go, well, that wasn't your fault, right, Mm. because the child doesn't, doesn't know Mm. that. And in my therapy, when my therapist and I talk about stuff from childhood, it's recognizing, oh, yeah, like, I'm reacting like this because this is familiar to me from when I was a little kid and these kinds of things would happen, right? The goal, again, is reintegration. So I need to not be like, oh, that fucking stupid kid is showing up mm. <laughs> with the way he responds to stuff. But, like, make friends mm. with that young part of myself, right? With that, like, kind of inner child. Mm. I did a therapy retreat years ago once where they suggested they were, like, find a picture of yourself from when you were really young and, like, keep it somewhere where you can, like, see it every day.
1: Oh, I love that. And, like,
0: know that, you know, like, that that, that little girl is still in you and when things happen like she gets scared and starts freaking out and what you can do through like you said like learning these tools and strategies is like be able to like almost see her hmm. and be like this is okay like we're okay like you know kind of like mm-hmm. I, I sort of envision it like as like big me talking to little me of like I got you like we can handle this
1: okay quick, you know? quick question on yeah. that though you know, if most of your trauma has happened in your adulthood, is mm-hmm. that still some like does speaking or connecting with your younger self is that still part of it, like, or is it more of like maybe you put a picture of of you at the time where it happened?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I think can kind of relate possible.
1: to that person and be like, hey, listen, it's okay.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, yes, I think that's totally true, and. It's so interesting, though, because when I when I started going to therapy, I talked a lot about stuff that happened in my teenage years. Mm. You know, I was like, yeah, I messed up because of all this stuff, right? And what what is true for me and maybe true for some, but certainly not all, is that a lot of times the stuff that happens later in life is like echoes of things that were familiar from an earlier time. Mm. You know, like the people who become involved in abusive relationships there's that's more likely for people that had earlier experiences hmm. that were where they didn't automatically learn to like avoid those kinds of relationships and put blame Where it belongs, which is on the person who's being abusive, right? Mm. And that's why you know, like these patterns get replayed. So I don't really know the answer to your question.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking of like when I see when I look back and I see pictures of myself around the time of my divorce and even a couple years after that, and which is where a lot of trauma for me occurred. I look at those pictures and I wince. Like it, it's almost like, oh, I don't like that girl. Like I don't like the decision she made. I don't i think back at situations and i have negative thoughts and attitudes for towards them so i just i just kind of think like i wonder if there could just be like sure i mean i think some of those decisions probably were influenced by what happened yeah when i was younger but for me a lot of that trauma is kind of in that
0: that's so phase. interesting because you know what's so funny is like i relate to that so strongly I don't like who I was, especially in college, Mm. but in high school a little bit, too. Mm. Like, I was angry. I was, like, a jerk to a lot of people. Mm. Like, I was, like, trying on this role of, like, sort of toxic masculinity, Mm. you know, of, like, trying to, like, get with girls and stuff like that. And, And I'm, like, to this day, like, I don't... I've never gone to, like, a reunion for college or anything like that because... I I have close friends that are still I'm still super close with who really knew me but if you kinda knew me in college like just know that I didn't I don't like that guy either.
1: Well, well, (laughs) and I remember one of your fears in doing this podcast that you told me was that people may listen to it from your past and be like, oh, he's being fake. Like, this isn't who he is. Like, I remember who he was. Oh, yeah. And um, that's one of my fears too. I mean, I have changed a lot as a person and there's still I mean my personality is like you either love me or you hate me like it's very there's very strong adverse yeah I'm like a polarizing figure too yeah (laughs) so I've always experienced that but especially in my 20s like I think it was just annoying like I, I went through a phase this is so embarrassing to say but I went through this phase where I was like super kind of like trying to find my masculinity almost like mm. like I was like wanting to arm wrestle all these guys and I was like doing lick for lick in college and running and jumping into bushes like it's so dumb and like I had a phase where I would just like go around and like slap people in the face like if they would say something to me that was like like a dig or whatever. Yeah. I would just like slap him on the face. Well, you know, people don't really like that, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like annoying and I was judgmental and I was so like opinionated and loud and I'm still opinionated and loud. Yeah. But I, I think that I've worked on being a little bit more gracious about that because there's part of me, like, I don't want to lose who I am and I'm a very, very strong personality. Yeah. Um, but I would also want to be like, like a better person yes. than I was. Yes.
0: And and I think you're right. I think right? Like a, it could be a really healing practice for again, I'm not a trauma therapist, but it could be a really healing mm-hmm. practice for you to like sit with the image of that person that you were after your divorce and cultivate compassion and caring for her. Mm-hmm. And know that like she's in you also, mm-hmm. even though she's not like a little young person, right? Yeah. So something that I think is really profoundly important about what you're talking about, about this idea of developing compassion for yourself is I think a part of the journey, certainly for me and I know for others, my close friend Melissa helped me realize, maybe it was two years ago now that she said to me, because this was early on my journey of really getting in touch with some of the traumas in my life and and how they were impacting me. And she shared with me, she was like, you know, I I know, you know, for me. And and she said, and I hope for you, Jared, that you begin to talk about these things not as, like, these are the things that, like, messed me up. Mm. But, like, these are the things that I survived Mm. and that have made me, like, the strong, like, sensitive, like caring person that I am today right Mm. and I think that's the reintegration idea that's the Mm -hmm. like sort of making friends with those parts of yourself instead of like I hate that part of myself right Mm -hmm. and like and you know it's so easy to do it in another person like when I hear you talk about jumping into bushes and arm wrestling guys (laughs) you know but that was that was that seems like a, a young woman trying to find her voice and her mm-hmm. sense of independence, and it seems so like healthy and not at all something to be ashamed of or hypercritical of. But yeah, well, maybe by slapping have those, people. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> but I mean, that's how we learned things. It right? was like, funny. Yeah.
1: I mean, not to everybody.
0: But I think that's some of the journey, right? And so, like, um, in terms of treatments, like, relationships are a huge part of healing from trauma like a big part of what needs to be recalibrated and what we all need to survive and be healthy is attunement synchronicity you know like synchrony with others and so that's how therapy works right is that you experience a relationship sustained over time where your stuff can come up and the other person is trained and able to react in a healthy way. Like you relearn like healthy boundaries in a relationship and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. That's also where to anybody out there, um, who's been offered the opportunity to be part of a mutual support group or be part of a therapy group. I get it to anyone that sounds like the worst thing in the world. Like it's scary or whatever. You know, so people get scared of and hate and avoid group therapy just on the face of it. But sharing with others the things that you think will make people think that you're crazy or will make them judge you or will make them, like, recoil in disgust. Like, if you're in a safe situation and you can share those things and and what happens is that others respond with caring and empathy or they say I do that too like there's nothing more powerful and healing than that right you talked about EMDR Mm -hmm. right because that's a lot of how it's centered in the body EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing Mm -hmm. and so there's sort of light there's techniques that use light in your eyes there's tapping techniques there's a lot of different techniques but if you're Again, if you feel like you have trauma, finding a therapist that's really trained and experienced and, in EMDR.
1: And that is not this woo-woo nope. like, um, it's not hypnoti- hip-
0: hypnotism. Thank you. <laughs> Hypnotization? It, it's
1: scientifically yes. Evidence-based is one of yeah. the best evidence-based. Yes. So, yeah, um, yeah, so, you know, anyway, yep. keep going. There
0: are medications, right? Like some people do well on SSRIs and things like Xanax, but although in the book, vander Kolk talks about with his patients he's wary of because a lot of traumatized people really like xanax and other benzos because it, it allows them to numbs, yeah. numbs them out right yeah um mdma is actually um showing up as I, really yeah i've heard treatment. of that yeah. yeah so there's emerging research on that so there's also a lot of bottom up treatments where you start from the body so a lot of yoga Mm
1: -hmm.
0: movement you know really getting reconnected to you know and and actually you know one of my exes who you know like you know did her yoga teacher training in kind of like trauma Mm. informed Mm. yoga teaching and stuff like that
1: yeah that's actually something that i would like to uh work for i mean i i know through yoga medicine the the um program that I have my training through, I believe they have some online yoga for trauma courses. So I should look into that and, um, you know, I can let you guys know if I do any online like yoga for trauma. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's really, it's very powerful. I mean, even if you didn't do a specific yoga for trauma class, restorative yoga, yin, meditation, all of that teaches your nervous system to, to calm yep right and um and when your nervous system starts to relax then your body can heal Mm -hmm. and it can rest and it can leave the fight or flight stage yes so anyway
0: well and it's so interesting right because i think in in yoga also you learn this way of sort of like working hard right like sometimes you get to a place in a class where you're exerting yourself and it's difficult and you're sweating. But part of the teaching in yoga is, like, don't push yourself farther than you can maintain your breath, Mm -hmm. than you can maintain, like, a calm mind, right? Mm -hmm. And so it kind of teaches you, like, get into some difficulty without like gritting your teeth and like, ah like, Mm -hmm. you know, like tensing all up and stuff. And and I think that movement is really helpful.
1: Yeah. I I always say to my students um, when we're doing challenging asana, so asana would be uh, movement. Mm -hmm. How can you allow yourself to be in sensation and stay calm? Yeah. And that's kind of the idea is sensation is fleeting, right? Mm -hmm. So when we have these triggers and we go through this trauma, it's fleeting. You know, well, maybe not for everybody, yep. but hopefully it's it, it will pass at some yes. point. And um so it's training it's training your body and training your mind to be calm and to be able to be still in really tough moments.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. So the other cool thing is like there's a lot of traumatized folks and there's some research around this that are helped by theater and improv mm. and dance right mm. because again going Stand back stand-up i don't know so that so that so the theater and improv and dance piece right and even this is true for yoga too is again that goes back to the relationship part right when you're improving with someone you have to you know it's a stressful situation when you're like up on a stage
1: well that's true but you, <laughs> maybe that was the worst suggestion ever
0: no 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 but you have to but on improv right where where that aligns with trauma therapy is like you have to be in the moment and attuned with the person you're with. Mm -hmm. And like dance is a very, not only is it embodied, Mm -hmm. you know, which by itself is part of the the reintegration experience, but doing that in synchrony with a partner Mm -hmm. and being attuned to another person, right? Like that that gets at that like sort of numbness and cutoff thing too, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's cool programs where they have, you know, people in prisons like doing Shakespeare.
1: Mm, you know? That's so and cool. like,
0: yeah. You know, I I have a really funny story about this. Like, with a person I was with uh, a couple years ago, we, you know how you have like like those like, silly, stupid things that you just stumble onto with someone you're dating? Sure. It becomes like a stupid thing. That like you a do. thing? But yeah. That, that you-
1: nobody else would think was funny.
0: Yeah. So we used to do this thing where we would like, we both could like intentionally like flare our nostrils. Like, can you do that? Like, wait, I'm gonna try to do it. Like,
1: you're yeah. totally doing it. Am I doing it? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we used to do this thing where we would like, you know, when you're like laying in bed or whatever and being goofy and like, you know, you're kind of like looking over at each other, we would just like sort of like do that to each other. And it's it wasn't until like a, a year or two later that I read this book, the practice of doing that felt very connecting and like reassuring to me and I'm like oh yeah because that's exactly what we were doing is like that like eye contact that like body movement synchronization Mm. right it was like a like okay like you're here this other person's here like you're safe you know Mm -hmm. like
1: it was like you were dancing with your noses yeah
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) um (laughs) So to go back to something that you had talked about, about, like, how common this is, you know, we talked about, like, capital T trauma, right? But then there's, like, lowercase t trauma. A lot of that is, like, stuff that happens for children, right? And, like, your question about attachment theory, like, that's maybe, like, the first trauma that you can experience is, you know, as children... All we know is, is our caregivers mm-hmm. and our family of origin. And we don't have a perspective to blame the caregivers, to be like, well, this doesn't seem right. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, so what, when children don't get the healthy attachment and the things that they need, um, whether that's because their parent is addicted or depressed or in an abusive relationship or whatever you know what happens is the child internalizes some of that blame and or kind of organizes their lives around like trying to not feel those feelings mm. right and and children are like programmed to be like loyal to their caregivers and and connected and and to try to win their affection and whatever so part of what was kind of groundbreaking in terms of this idea of trauma is and part of a a really important line of the research is what's called like ACEs so A-C-E stands for adverse childhood experience and there's been more and more emerging research about how powerful these things are right let me let me give you some of them right so like so I'll just read I think there's like 10 questions right and don't answer them but you know, like,
1: okay. Yeah. No.
0: (laughs) So again, like trigger warning, like some of these questions talk about like difficult things, but here, here are some things that are like, and we'll talk about how common they are in a minute, but did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down or humiliate you or act in a way that made you afraid you might be physically hurt. Did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you, or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch or fondle you, or have you touch their body in a sexual way? Did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought that you were important or special, or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other, or support each other? Did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes, had no one to protect you, or your parents were too drunk or high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Were your parents ever separated or divorced? Was your mother or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Or sometimes often or very often kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or ever repeatedly hit over at least a few minutes did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used drugs was a household member depressed or mentally ill or did a household member attempt suicide did a household member go to prison right so those are some of the questions in the kind of adverse childhood experiences measure right and what they found a uh, 61% of the population has a score of at least one Mm. Right. So that's how common these things are Mm -hmm. from a score of zero. So people who have a score of zero to those who have a score of six, there is about a 5000 percent increased likelihood of suicide attempts. Mm. People with an ACE score of four were seven times more likely to be an alcoholic than people with a score of zero for those with an ACE score of 6 or more the likelihood of intravenous drug use was 4600% greater than those mm, with a score of 0 wow right and so you know what as a result of this research right they now you know like the 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 book the body keeps the score quotes you know one researcher who in his calculation like determined that Childhood abuse and neglect is a costlier health public health problem than cancer and/or heart disease. Mm. And when you think of all the diagnoses that are put on children, like ADD, ADHD, conduct disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, right? Again, these are all like real diagnoses,
1: Mm.
0: but um, you know, that children do have and, and can be treated and stuff like that, but also how much of that is trauma, Hmm. you know, that is misdiagnosed. And so some of those things were obviously dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. And like very serious abuse. But even things like not feeling seen or cared about in your family, you know, even things like being in a, you know, having an experience where you were in a tremendous amount of pain or tremendously scared and like people in your family like laughed, Hmm. you know, Uh, So many adults I know fit what what are called like the parentified child, you know, where they became the responsible one because for whatever reason, their parents Mm -hmm. weren't responsible or were a bit of a mess themselves. Mm. Right. Like all of these things have an impact. Right. Have some echoes. I answer yes to a few of those questions for sure. But I also, like, had a very, like, lovely and comfortable mm-hmm. life. And 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 it's, this is still hard for me, but I think it's so important for other people to hear is that, you know, just because you didn't have a horrific story of abuse, like, doesn't mean that you don't have a right, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it, it do- doesn't mean that you're not, affected and in pain and and that you have to like downplay that mm-hmm. or like tell yourself to stop being a baby like that's absolutely real and like mm-hmm. honor that and like recognize that like that's not your fault and that you know whatever's happening in you like we talked about earlier as a result of difficult things in your past those were things that you learned that allowed you to survive
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and so yeah,
1: yeah, I relate to that a lot because I think I had a really great bringing up as well. Mm-hmm. I mean I have two very loving parents and I had a roof over my head and food to eat and I you know went to um, a public school that with great education and I had a car when I was 16 and you know all the and then I was mm-hmm. able to go to a private college and so I had a lot of really great things, but that doesn't negate the trauma yeah that i experienced for sure yeah and um while maybe my trauma wasn't as like in your face yeah as maybe other people's it's still you know a couple of the things on that list yeah were things that i experienced
0: and and i hope people hear this honoring those things that certain things happened to you that were difficult is not blame. Like it's not blame, right? Like two parents can do the best job at navigating a divorce and co-parenting. Like they can do the best possible job. And that's still hard for a child of a certain age to like my family is falling apart. Like even if the parents like read all the books and are like you know, and so it's not those parents' fault. You know, it's this is not a blame thing. No,
1: I absolutely agree.
0: But to, but you know you know what I'm saying like but that's still a real that child's sense of the world was shaken and overwhelmed, and and there's going to be impacts from that, and they are absolutely surmountable. Right, mm-hmm. this isn't like a, oh now this person's broken forever. You know. But I think even in smaller ways that aren't on this list, you know, we learn what we can expect from relationships and who we're allowed to be in relationships and what our role is and and are we going to be seen or are we going to be hurt from seeing all of the relationships around us, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things I might do to kind of close is like I gave a... A book recommendation of a book called A Hillbilly Elegy, or it's just called Hillbilly Elegy, by this author J.D. Vance. And so he grew up in a really tumultuous background with a drug-addicted mom. They moved a lot, like there were different men in and out of the house, um, lots of dysfunction all around, like in a in a very poor rural white blue-collar kind of like like very stereotypical hillbilly culture. Luckily for the author, he had his grandparents and stability there Mm -hmm. that was enough for him to, you know, he joined the military, then went to college, then actually went to, yeah, law school, Mm -hmm. you know, and was able to be successful. But later in the book, he talks about finding his first really like healthy and loving relationship in law school and how his partner, who's now his wife, her name is Usha described him as a turtle because he would withdraw mm. right like anytime there was any turbulence in the relationship you know and, and as he describes it like all he knew was screaming mm. and fighting when there's relationship problems so he didn't want to be like those examples in his family so he just avoided them completely and just not deal with it at all right so i'll read a quote he says so i tried to get away but usha wouldn't let me I tried to break everything off multiple times but she told me that was stupid unless I didn't care about her. So I'd scream and I'd yell. I'd do all the hateful things my mother had done and then I'd feel guilty and desperately afraid. For so much of my life I'd made mom out to be a kind of villain and now I was acting like her. Nothing compares to the fear that you're becoming the monster in your closet. I had just performed poorly with one of the firms I really wanted to work for when Usha tried to comfort me To tell me that I'd probably done better than I expected, but that even if I hadn't, there were other fish in the sea, I exploded. Don't tell me that I did fine, I yelled. You're just making an excuse for weakness. I didn't get here by making excuses for failure. And in this story, he talks about how he runs off. He just, like, screams at her and then leaves. And he's walking around by himself in the you know in the middle of the night or whatever and he says i turned the corner and after a few steps i saw usha sitting on the steps of ford's theater she had run after me worried about me being alone i realized then that i had a problem that i must confront whatever it was that had for generations caused those in my family to hurt those whom they loved i apologized profusely to usha i expected her to tell me to go fuck myself that it would take days to make up for what I'd done, that I was a terrible person. A sincere apology is a surrender, and when someone surrenders, you go in for the kill. But Usha wasn't interested in that. She calmly told me through her tears that it was never acceptable to run away, that she was worried, and that I had to learn how to talk to her. And then she gave me a hug and told me that she accepted my apology and was glad I was okay that was the end of it mm. right and he talks about how like seeing her family interact like at mm. thanksgiving was like so different right mm. and he talks about learning about the adverse childhood experiences and that he and his sister had were at a six his aunt was at a seven you know all of these things you know and then and then he shares this i i thought a lot about myself about the emotional triggers i've learned over 18 years of living at home i realized that i mistrusted apologies As they were often used to convince you to lower your guard it wasn't quote i'm sorry that convinced me to take that fateful car ride with mom more than a decade earlier that's a whole other story uh and i began to understand why i used words as weapons that's what everyone around me did i did it to survive disagreements were war and you played to win the game i didn't unlearn these lessons overnight i continue to struggle with conflict to fight the statistical odds that seem to bear down on me. The sad fact is I couldn't do it without Usha. Even at my best, I'm a delayed explosion. I can be diffused, but only with skill and precision. It's not just that I've learned to control myself, but also that Usha has learned how to manage me. Put two of me in the same home and you have a positively radioactive situation. It's no surprise that every single person In my family, who has built a successful home, married someone from outside our little culture.
1: Hmm.
0: Right. And I just thought that was such a cool example. Go
1: ahead. Well, okay, so I have some thoughts about that. First was a beautiful story. And I love that. I love hearing about people who are able to see and want to change. Mm-hmm. However, where does that go with the boundaries, right? Because it sounds like there's some abusiveness to his behavior hmm. and in terms of verbal abuse, right? Even emotional abuse, the hmm. withdrawing, and I mean, that can be very traumatic in itself. So I guess, you know, like she's obviously a very strong person for yeah. being like, I love you. I'm here for you. And she's learning how to manage him. But that makes me think that's a lot that's on her in the relationship. And so I'm assuming, you know, um, that, you know, she's strong. She can manage her own emotions and she sounds like a very secure person. But I also want to just make sure our listeners know, too, that it is not your responsibility to yes. heal the trauma of another person. It's not your responsibility to stay in an abusive relationship because that person experienced trauma. If you, if that is the right thing for you, then and you have the strength to do that, and mm-hmm. and that person is seeking help and actively trying to get better, then I think that's a little different. But even then, sometimes I mean, it's it may take years. Yes. And you ha- do have the right to to remove yourself from that situation, at least in a romantic way, and maybe mm-hmm. just be friends or um, just set stricter boundaries. Yes, you know. Yeah,
0: and I think that's really important. Like, you don't have to, even if the person is on the journey of healing and sincere about making changes and actually doing the work. Like, you don't have to go on that journey with mm-hmm. them. Like, it's absolutely an okay decision to make to like mm-hmm. not do that. In the story, you know, I, I left out a lot of parts, oh, obviously. Oh, I'm sure. Right? Yeah. And, like, and you know, but, like, what would be scarier to me is if his partner was also from a, like, yes. unhealthy background. Yes. Right? Like, because that's the thing, you know, that's the thing about these patterns and traumas is when you grow up with healthy and secure attachment, and you don't have the dysfunction and, and explosiveness or whatever it is in the home, healthy child development teaches you that like you're worthwhile and worthy of love and that if people mistreat you, there's something wrong with them, right? And so if you, get in, if you have that sense of yourself and sense of self-worth, and someone starts treating you, like mistreating you in a relationship, you're like, fuck you, and you get the fuck out of there, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that, you know, because again, children will internalize and sort of self blame. When someone mistreats you, there's a part of you that's like, oh, like this is what I actually deserve. And there's a part of you that will mistrust when someone is treating you really well. Yeah. But I mean, you and I have talked about right, like you and I have done a lot of work, but if we had partners who were like us, it might not work, right? And, and to me, like that's what a, a healthy partnership is—that like one person struggles in ways that the other person doesn't, and the other person can can see that and help them in that without being overly wounded by mm-hmm. that, right? end of end of the absolute reverse is happening at the same time like the other person who's helping in these ways struggles in a bunch of other ways and the other person is helping them in that right mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah i think that's a great point i mean i think it's interesting like i think my trauma my immediate response is like oh you got to get out of the relationship mm. because like that sounds like it's going to be very painful and this person is explosive and they're emotionally abusive and i have been in an emotionally abusive relationship yeah. where actually i've been in an emotionally abusive relationship and i've been in a verbally abusive relationship mm. and because i of the trauma that i've experienced um it is very difficult for me to have any conflict in a relationship, and it's actually something you and i were talking about before this episode is you know zach and i have experienced some conflict recently and my immediate reaction to it is oh we're not gonna make it yeah this relationship is over mm-hmm. and i withdraw and i become avoidant and i'm like okay i gotta turn off my feelings because this is gonna end yeah when really deep down when i get to the root of it i'm hurt and it's 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 the PTSD of the trauma. It's
0: it's painful and scary to yes. stay, right? And, like, what you need to do is, like, the yoga example of, like, stay with the sensation and keep mm-hmm. breathing, right? You yes. don't have to run out of the room. Yes. Right? And then
1: I have to soothe myself, too. Like, okay, this relationship may end at some point.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that I'll be okay. And he'll be okay. Yeah. And it's a little scarier now, like, being in the public eye. It will- <laughs> I make it sound like I'm some celebrity. I mean, but, you know, like we have, a you know, with all these paparazzi. I know, I know. It's really hard to get around Redlands anymore. (laughs) Um, No, but I mean, with people listening and following on social and everything, it is a little, it's a little scarier, you know. Um, And Zach and I had a great talk this week after an argument that we got into. Like, we just, we trigger each other my anxiousness triggers an avoidance in him that he didn't realize for a while that it was triggering. And I didn't know because he had been saying like, okay, take the space you need. And I was so back and forth. And of course that's hurtful. And I knew that it was hurting him, but I just didn't realize how deep that went. And um, so, you know, we were basically like, okay, we can sit down and work on dialogue and work on communication and be like okay um hey are you open to talking with me about something mm-hmm. this is how i'm feeling and um you know i'm feeling this way because i you know if experienced is trauma and it's coming up for me right now and what i need from you is this mm-hmm. and that's such an important thing in a relationship and in you know I haven't really had any example of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it's never been something that I've done in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned all these skills, all these skills, but I haven't actually done them. Yeah. And so I, I get in this relationship and I'm like, okay, I'm secure and yeah. I'm working on myself and I have all these tools and this is gonna be like the best relationship ever. And then
0: and it's gonna be smooth sailing. It's gonna be, and it's gonna be No problems because
1: I know how to tell <laughs> my needs a robot. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah. And it, that's just not how it works. It, mm-hmm. it takes practice. It takes time. We are both learning right now, and I'm I'm pretty sure he would be open to me sharing this information just because you know neither of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. We've both had our own traumas. Yep. And things that I've done have triggered him. Yep. And things that he's done have triggered me. And you know, like you said, like it's sometimes you can't control it. It's just that the, the hand, the lid comes off. Right. Yep. And it's scary. And it's, it's like, I've already done some, what we call, you call it protest behavior An anxious person. Mm. Uh, does protest behavior when they feel anxious in a relationship. And I've done some protest behavior that I'm not proud of. Mm. And it, ju- just some things that like, I just didn't think that I would do anymore because I was like so confident that I had like worked on myself this much. And, you know, so I'm very grateful that I'm in a relationship where we can at least work on it together Yeah, because I, all the other guys would have been out by now, Mm -hmm. like a hundred percent out. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's something that, when you're, and I think you can relate because you and I were talking about it yeah. before the episode. I mean, when you are uh, dealing with trauma, your partner has to be secure in yeah. some way, yeah. And and they either decide they can stick it out with you, mm-hmm. or have to set that boundary, yep. And it's okay either way.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, and I, I love your example because. Healthy in a relationship is not the absence of conflict. Absolutely. More often than not, like no conflict is unhealthy.
1: Absolutely. Right? Yes. And it's
0: it's you know like you need healthy approaches to conflict. And and there's no there's no hard lines, right? And you know obviously in the example in the excerpt I read, you know, it talked about yelling and screaming and stuff like that and and certainly that it can be abusive behavior. But also there's different cultures and different families that have different levels of expressiveness and emotionality that are allowed and okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I have friends who grew up where like nobody was allowed to express any emotions, mm. you know, in their family. Like everybody had to get along and everything mm. had to be fine and that had to be a very calm surface on the water and everything mm. like that. And that was really that that was can be a really unhealthy environment to try to grow up in, right? And I think of parts of my family that are, you know, when you get us together, like, people that, I think especially, like, I think there's a West Coast, East Coast thing where, like, when I had some of my work friends meet from, from here, we were all at a conference, meet my, like, work family from my last job back in Pennsylvania. Like, the people from here were like, oh, my God, you guys are all yelling at each other all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, they were at dinner, and they, like, couldn't handle it. They were like, I had to, like, leave the table because I was, like, getting so stressed and agitated. Yeah. And and I see that in students in cross-cultural roommates because there's different... In different cultures, there's different levels of emotionality and expressiveness. So when there's a disagreement and the one person starts, like, talking really loud and, like using their hands and whatever the other person's like oh my god she was being crazy she was screaming at me she was like i don't have to take that and if if they could actually talk about that the other person would be like i wasn't angry at you at all Mm -hmm. like you know what i'm saying and so there's there's like different levels there but i yeah
1: yeah well i think let's go ahead and close this out yeah
0: this is a long this was a long one yeah yeah
1: Um, But I really appreciate the knowledge that you brought and the research that you did. And I think this was really a fantastic episode for our listeners because it's something that I think is a really important um, issue that needs to be talked about. Yeah. Not an issue, but a um, important topic that needs to be talked about.
0: For sure. And I would say for people out there, like, read The Body Keeps the Score and also, like, there's nothing wrong with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, yes, recognize your things and work on them. But so much of that work is self-compassion and self-love and, and developing a deeper understanding and kindness towards yourself. And, like, keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, do the work. Find the supportive people in your life. Find the therapist. What, you know, whatever resources you can get access to. There's mutual help groups that are often free you know, around substance use and grief and loss and all kinds of things. And so, yeah, I just hope, ho- hopefully if this episode can, can help some people along their journeys, like you and I have been helped along by so many people on our journeys. Like, mm-hmm.
1: you know. yeah. And you guys, I would love to hear from you in terms of, you know, overcoming, um, trauma or just your journeys of growing as a person and finding yourself and maybe things that, Therapy has done for you, or accomplishments that you've done that you never thought you would do. Like, feel free to like email us um, info at hello and goodbye podcast, and um, we'll share it. Like, I would love to share yeah, awesome. some some survivor stories. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Subscribe to the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Hello and Goodbye Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, Hello and Goodbye Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Hello and Goodbye Podcasts, at underscore Leanna Joan, at The Real Jared Rodriguez. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.